Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm, I'm nervous about what's to come in the next several months with COVID. Today on KSL Plus. A familiar voice in Utah. Our first community spread of COVID-19. Talks about the state of the pandemic. It's just unfortunately not over yet, and I wish I could say something different. The challenges facing public health and what comes next. That's what we do as public health professionals is definitely try to prevent rather than react when we know prevention works and we can save lives that way. I'm Matt Rascone here at the Salt Lake County Health Department, and this is KSL Plus. And today we're talking to Dr. Angela Dunn. The benefits of prevention in this case just far outweigh the risks. Known as the voice of public health over the last year and a half, today she is the director of the County Health Department. keeps me up at night as school starting. At the start of a new school year, the Delta variant isn't slowing down. But tells children and adults to wear a mask to save lives. And neither is the debate These words are a joke. over how to respond. I know I have the right to send my kids to school with masks, but this does not fully protect them from getting COVID if others are not masked and measures are not in place. The pandemic doesn't end because we are sick of wearing masks. When I sat down with Dr. Dunn, she told me masks were the right answer for kids under 12 who were not eligible to get the vaccine. We know it works. It stops the spread. But we spoke before the Salt Lake County Health Department publicly declared its intent to issue a mask mandate for K-6 through grade students. We are recording this episode before the county council votes on whether to uphold the mandate. There's already been, you know, school districts just in the last couple of days since that guidance was put out from the state uh, saying, well, we can't, we don't have the authority to, you know, to put in a they place don't. of mask mandate. Um, is that is that a problem or where is the problem? Yeah, so, I mean, we definitely have limitations um, as a community on our power to do mask mandates from the legislature. So the way that it works is I, as a health officer of Salt Lake County Health Department, can mandate masks. Our county council can overturn it immediately with a majority vote, and our legislature can also overturn it immediately. So while I do have the power uh, to issue it initially, it can be overturned immediately. So I'm working with all of our elected officials, but our schools, our superintendents, our teachers, our parents, to figure out what that best way forward is. It's, it's a big decision, right? So we know that mandates worked in the fall, but we also know that we need public buy-in for those mandates. We're not going to send cops out to schools to enforce it. Um, so if you don't have public buy-in, um, 
you might be causing more harm than good. But at the same time, it's the right health decision to have kids in masks that don't have the opportunity to be vaccinated. We're really talking about K through sixth grade. As that process unfolds, Dr. Dunn told us why she thinks a mandate and not just encouragement is the answer. Because we know that individuals respond to requirements more than they respond to recommendations. Um, even those who mean well. I'll use the Utah Department of Health as an example. When I was part of it, we were, I don't know if this happened here, but before um, the governor put in a mask mandate for all state government buildings, nobody at the Department of Health was wearing a mask. Nobody. We knew, well, we were also, we knew our risk was low, but it just wasn't a thing. It wasn't part of our routine. Literally the day it was required, we all started wearing them. It changes the culture. It signals that this is important and it is serious. It's so serious that we are requiring it of our constituents, our our clients, our staff, whatever. Um, It really is that clear signal that something is serious. And what's really important with all requirements is that you reevaluate the data. Is it working? Is it not? Is it still necessary? And you do that on a regular basis. And I'm not saying every year, something like COVID, I mean, we're looking at it daily um, and determining what's necessary for the next day. Um, And so it really changes the psychology of individuals to have a requirement versus um, a recommendation. And I will also say for all of these mitigation measures, they only work if everybody's doing them because the virus is very good at finding those susceptible people um, and spreading. And so the more we can all band together um, to to either get vaccinated or, or wear a mask, the better off our community will be. You may be most familiar with Dr. Dunn as the state epidemiologist. We heard from her weekly, sometimes daily in 2020 and the beginning of this year before she jumped into her new role as the executive director of the Salt Lake County Health Department. New office, new role, new department. What have the last few weeks been like as far as your transition to this new job? I mean, it's been so fun and good. Um, as you would expect anywhere in Utah, but especially Salt Lake County Health Department, people are so welcoming, but also still eager to work and, and do good. And, and they're very passionate. And it's just amazing the resiliency um, of the workforce here, given that we're entering into another COVID surge. But it's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, even after a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and what what is it? Uh, what does this new role mean for you and your focus, your responsibilities? Yeah. So when I was the state epidemiologist, my role was really playing that subject matter expert and just providing input to those who made decisions. Here, I get to apply my expertise to the decisions I make and into the policies that get put in place, and that feels really good to have that direct impact and that authority to make that direct impact without it being filtered through through a lot of other people. I know that um, in public health, and this is something that you've even tweeted about in the last few months, you know, some of the challenges and, and what this new role would, will mean for, you know, other other challenges that you'll be facing. Um, and uh, including, I, it was a tweet you had sent out a little bit ago where it was like something about public health care workers leaving. Yeah. And there needs to be a reason for them to stay. And, absolutely. you know, elected officials need to be there to support and, and provide that incentive. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the morale of the public health workforce nationally, but I, but I see it even locally here at the Salt Lake County Health Department, is is pretty low because we've been through a lot in the past 18 months. And unfortunately, this pandemic has pitted politics against public health. And, and that doesn't need to happen, but that's happened everywhere. I mean, in order for 
our workforce to find a reason to come back, they need to feel heard, they need to be at the table when decisions are made, um, and, and they need to have that platform to give the right data and recommend what's best for, for the public's health. And I'm in that position to make sure that happens, which is great. Yeah. Uh, there were some, some workers, of course, that even you know, got some pushback and backlash from, from the yes. public um, over the last year and a half, including you, mm -hmm. uh, had your own experience. Um, what has that experience taught you, you know, with people actually coming to your home protesting? Sure. So it really does speak to that need for government in general, but public health specifically, to regain the trust of the public. I think um, people who get so emotional and angry about some of the public health recommendations are, are truly misinformed. And so we need to do a better job of connecting with individuals who um, don't trust us so that we can become that trusted voice again, that they know, you know we're not full of misinformation or disinformation and, and we can provide them with the facts. Um, that's gonna be on us over the next several years to regain that trust. Public health now has a voice and a platform. I mean, people didn't know what, is an, what an epidemiologist was before this. They couldn't even say it at the beginning of the pandemic. And so this is a great opportunity for public health to elevate everything we do. We definitely are about disease response and outbreak prevention um, and, and helping people stay alive. But I, as I've been here the past several weeks, I've met with all of our divisions um, and learned more about what they do. And, and I'm even surprised about the breadth of the things that go on here, everything from pool inspections to car inspections to make sure that the emissions are okay to um, you know, working with pregnant mothers who need some help or um, breastfeeding clinics. And then of course the disease response. Um, it's just a broad array of individuals who are coming together that collectively make our community healthier, which is fantastic. Yeah. And speaking of community, how, how would, what would you say is the, the best thing that Salt Lake community or even you know, the state can do to support what happens here? I mean, I definitely think part of it is um, continuing to prop public health up and not strip us down. So, um, you know, making sure that our funding is still adequate. I think before COVID, public health has always been underfunded. That's why we, we, we have such short staff and we're not able to do as much as we could um, if we had a bigger budget and more staff. So that's piece of it. Um, and with all this federal funding coming in, public health will be able to show how effective we can be um, because we'll, we'll have that ability to create the infrastructure. So the community and public need to know what their public health department does for them. Um, and I'll be working with my communications team here to get that word out, um, to start advocating and, and marketing essentially what our health department does for the community so that they can understand where their taxpayer dollars are going and and how to advocate for public health moving forward, just to help them get more engaged in the process. Are there other things, other challenges that uh, you're anticipating in this new role moving forward? You know, I, when I look at it, I mean, this is gonna sound cheesy, but I really do look at it as a lot of opportunity moving forward. Um, Salt Lake County Health Department serves the, the largest population in terms of local health departments throughout the state. Um, we also have a very supportive mayor and county council that will help us move public health forward in terms of being innovative um, and, and serving all of our populations throughout the county. And we have that diverse set of communities here. So we have a really big opportunity here to, to move public health into the future and help us be more modern. And that will set the stage for the rest of public health in Utah to do the same. So I think it's a great opportunity here. Uh, when when it was announced that you would be moving into this role, I think it was like 
April or May yeah, area. I don't... <laughs> um, and it was, uh, I mean, it was, it, was, it was around the time where you thought, oh, COVID's just about over. We're getting out of this. You know, they were like lifting the, the mandates and, um, you, know, uh, you know, school was getting out and things were opening up. Um, and there was a lot of talk of, oh, yes, Dr. Dunn's going to come in and kind of lead the post-COVID world. But now I'm looking at it. I'm I know. Thinking. Those were the good old days, <laughs> honestly. Um, but it is still, um, I feel really good to be here even in this moment, even if I wasn't expecting to, to deal with COVID again in this way. Um, again, we have um, the ability to be really flexible and agile at the local health department to respond to specific needs. And it's been really fun to watch our staff work and and do that so well. Um, but we are all, all excited to move past COVID and, and start working on addressing needs beyond infectious disease here. Yeah. Well, for a moment, I'd like to talk a little bit about COVID. Okay. Uh, you mentioned surging cases, um, things, uh, I don't know, what, what's different about right now than oh, God. Know, before? Okay, so we'll start with the good. The good is that we've got a silver bullet. We've got the vaccines, they work. I mean, that's, amazing that we have that ability to actually stop the spread of COVID right now with an effective vaccine. I think the challenges are, of course, the variants that are circulating and, and coming towards us. You know, as, as COVID spreads more, the virus can spread more. Um, and so I, what keeps me up at night is school starting and the fact that 20% of our population is ineligible to be vaccinated because they're under the age of 12. And most of them are gonna be in an indoor crowded setting come fall and um, or just in two weeks. And we know that's how COVID spreads. So um, I'm, I'm nervous about what's to come in the next several months with COVID. Why the push back to masks? So it's really important that we still are persistent with our ability to use masks to prevent the spread of COVID because our kids aren't vaccinated yet and they can't get vaccinated. Um, so while it is important for everybody to wearing, be wearing masks at this point, I really like to focus on the kids who are ineligible for vaccination. Last fall, we were all in masks because none of us were vaccinated. And in Salt Lake County, after the mask mandate, our cases plummeted. We know it works, it stops the spread. So we need to apply that same line of thinking to our kids under 12 when they go back to school to prevent the spread of COVID. And that's going to keep them in in-person learning. Um, online just doesn't work as well for most kids under 12. We need them in person. And to do that, they need to be healthy. Um, and unfortunately, we still have got COVID in our communities at really, really high levels, higher than last fall. We are entering the school season with more cases, a higher case rate than we did last year. And so we need to really take the lessons learned from last year and apply them here. I, don't, I just don't know why we wouldn't. I think back to this last school year, I mean, we were, we were covering pretty consistently middle schools and high schools closing down because of case counts. Yep. But I don't know, I don't remember elementary schools really no. being impacted as much. No, they did fantastic. And I will tell you, it's because they had so many mitigation measures in place. So in addition to kids being in masks, they were socially distanced. They were in cohorts. They were able to really just be around a, a few people at a time. Um, we also didn't have extracurricular activities. I mean, 
There was a lot of community prevention measures going on then too. Um, but moving into this fall, what's different um, is the fact that we have a lot more community spread than we did last year. And we've got a Delta virus or a Delta variant that spreads quicker and now is showing that it causes more severe disease even in our younger populations. So we're really in a different situation than we were in the fall um, with once again, a lot of unknowns. Talking about all this with, uh, you know, the debate over, you know, should we put in place a mask mandate and, yeah. you know, ha getting public buy-in, having support from elected officials. Um, there are so many voices. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, of, co of course, social media is full of them, but also just within public health, you know, CDC is recommending this and then some at the local level, you know, there may be a different focus or emphasis, um, you know, their primary care doctor may, there may be something else. And I remember that sort of being the case at the beginning of oh, the pandemic, yes. especially when it came to masks, because initially <laughs> it was sort of, let's leave them for the healthcare workers. Yep. And uh, uh, I don't know, what are we going through this again, just with masks and people vaccinated and, you know, because there seems yeah. to be a, a lot of different voices in different directions. You know, I think this is going to happen every, anytime there's a lot of unknown. And what's giving us the unknown now is the changing of the virus, right? We had this sweet spot where we, we pretty much knew what was going on with the biology of the virus. And we had low cases in the end of the spring, the early summer, and we all felt good. And, and then it mutated. And, and now we're learning all over again of how well do masks work? You know, are there breakthrough vaccinations with vaccines? Can somebody who's vaccinated transmit the virus? So once again, there are unknowns and the science is changing. Um, and you're just gonna have that kind of um, conflict of information perhaps between different groups before we have you know, months and months of data. Um, but what I do know and what is clear is that masks do prevent you know, those droplets from spreading on other people. And that lowers the risk of somebody getting COVID if they're not vaccinated tremendously. Um, and the risks of actually wearing a mask for most people are so low that um, we should take the benefits of it at least for the next several months until those under 12 can get vaccinated. I just want to point out one thing you said that I've heard a lot in sort of in, in uh, pushing back against public health. The science is changing. I think people hear that and think, oh, well, it, right. it just changes to whatever they want us to do. Um, how, how would you describe that, I guess, in a, in a different way that uh, we're getting new information? So you want your health officials to be on top of the latest science and tell the public immediately when it does change. Otherwise, that means we're hiding information that could potentially save lives. And so it's really important that we have the political will to say that things have changed, what we knew before is not what we know now. And the lessons we had in place before are not the interventions we need now. I mean, you, the public should want that and feel comforted by a scientist or a health officer's ability to say, you know what, things have changed. We need to do things differently. Um, I also want to say that, you know, it's just there's no ulterior motive from a public health professional or a scientist to... Um, promote recommendations. All health officials, all physicians, all we're trying to do is give people the best information at their hands so they can make the best decision for themselves and their families. And um, we really don't have any other motive. And so there's no reason not to trust it. Looking at where we are now, um, I don't know if there is a fixed timeline on when we could peak, you know, and, and everything. Uh, but what, what's, what's the, what, uh, what keeps you up at night? Definitely opening schools. Um, and I think the other thing is how quickly we're going to peak. 
when we look at the UK, they peaked with Delta a couple of months ago, and it was a really high and really sharp peak, much quicker than, than the other variant because it's so transmissible. And so it is possible that, that we have a surge in cases for a couple months, and, and then with the increasing vaccination, it drops. Um, but while that is good news, it's what happens during those couple months of the surges, right? Our hospitals are already over capacity. What's going to happen with those who need care, both for COVID and, and other things? Um, how many children are going to have to be hospitalized and have long-term effects? I, um, anything we can do to prevent that is, is really the way forward for the next few months. Um, but getting that public and political will on board um, is really tough right now. Yeah. Do you see vaccine boosters in our future? Right. I mean, who knows? I mean, that's one of those things where the science is different. You know, you look at different studies and um, some show immunity for a long time. Israel is now showing, you know, maybe not so long um, when it comes down to it. You know, time will tell. I think um, it is likely that with how much change in the virus we've seen that a booster may be necessary moving forward. But right now, the three vaccines we have are effective against the variants that are circulating. So focus on those who aren't vaccinated should really get their vaccine. Um, and those who have had it, um, you know, they can be assured that they're immune. Yeah. Well, with this, you know, year and a half of the pandemic behind us, um, what, uh, what is going to get us into the uh, post-COVID world? Vaccination. We are so close. It is so disheartening to see that we've stalled out when we're so close. Um, but I understand at the same time, you know, the individuals who are left to get vaccinated are those who have, you know, legitimate concerns and questions. And, and it might take a little longer for them to get them all answered and make them feel comfortable to get vaccinated. Um, so we just will be persistent and resilient and keep keep giving people the information they need to make the decision on whether or not they get vaccinated. Well, apart from COVID, what do you see as your I main, I don't know, the what's your the most important role that you have uh, sure. here in, in public health? Because, sure. you know, everything's been COVID, uh, but what, what's beyond that? <laughs> well, first and foremost is um, bringing back the energy and morale of the public health staff, right? I mean, it's been a really hard year and a half, and, and focusing on the needs of the people who are working here um, is my first priority, um, figuring out how I can best support them. Um, make sure people take really big vacations and time off and come back um, renewed to do innovative public health work. I think the other piece in terms of the community is, again, um, rebuilding that trust with our community members in public health um, and then focusing more upstream. I mean, this is a great opportunity for public health to really focus on health equity and social determinants of health. We have the resources. We have the spotlight on it. Um, we need to capitalize on this moment to really bring our under-resourced communities the need, the, the things they need to be healthy. Yeah. Do, are we experiencing a public health short, shortage here? In public staff? Order? Yes. I will say that um, we are prepping right now for a surge in cases. So that means hiring on more contact tracers and testers. And it is increasingly difficult to find really qualified applicants um, to take public health work and to take public, public health jobs. So it's a tough time to be hiring anybody to come into public health because it is still wrought with so many um, 
political views and 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 as we saw this week at the county council you know the public negativity as well so so it is challenging still um, we do have some vacancies that need to be filled here at the county in order to take the work workload off others um, so we're working towards that but it is hard if we could just broadcast this live you know everyone turns on the tv everyone's forced to watch this one message from dr dunn who was over the last year and a half sort of known as the voice of public health in the pandemic what would you what would you say to them hmm hold on yeah i can give you that okay so Right now, we are in the middle of another surge of COVID cases where those under 12 have no ability to protect themselves. So it is incumbent upon all of us as adults to take that responsibility, get vaccinated to protect those who can't, and also have our kids wearing masks and social distancing as much as possible. It's not forever. It really is just for a few more months, but we can't give in now or give up now because that's to the detriment of those under 12 and, and they deserve better. Um, it's just unfortunately not over yet and I wish I could say something different, but it's not. And I don't wanna see children die unnecessarily because of this. And that does it for us this week here on KSL Plus. I'm Matt Rascone, we'll see you again next week.